course of discussing movies, the host will spoil plots. You've been warned. Listen to their screams. Greetings, ghouls and creeps, and welcome to Listen to Their Screams, the horror podcast that feels like you're chatting with friends. I am one of those friends, Dave. I'm joined, as always, by the other friend, Ike. Ike, how are you? You know, you say it's like chatting with friends, but man, like, let me tell you what. Some of these people are weird. I don't know if I want to be their friends. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sometimes the weird friends are the funnest ones. That is true. That is true. So They, they at least keep it interesting. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. They keep, they keep it fresh, that's for sure. Yeah, so, well, here we go, diving in. Speaking of weird, we'd like to send a thank you to our two wives, who are apparently a couple of weirdos since they put up with us 24-7. Monica and Kayla, thank you for your support and for all the research, etc., that you do for us. Uh, Ike, this week we are going to be discussing Insidious The Red Door, which is in theaters now. We we both went and saw, we're going to review it today. Uh, This is the follow-up to last week, which we did a uh, kind of a lead-in by doing the Insidious franchise review, where we discussed the four previous movies and ranked those as far as our favorites from four to one. Uh, always fun to do those franchise episodes and, and kind of get the overview of all the movies. Uh, but before we dive into all that and our weekly segment and our news and everything else, uh, Ike, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, not, you know, I didn't do too much. I watched quite a bit of stuff, though. Um Let's see. What did I do, though? Uh, last weekend, I went to the beach. That's not very spooky, but, you know, I live in Florida. So one of the perks of living in Florida is that I'm within, you know, spitting distance of a few different beaches. So went to well, the beach. You, if you don't think the, the beach is spooky, you apparently have not watched Jaws enough. True. That is true. There's a lot of sharks. No, I'm just kidding. There, there's no sharks where I'm at, at least, at least not normally. Um, I, I will say uh, one of the weirdest things about beaches that I've learned um, have you ever heard of sand fleas? I have, yeah, I've, I've heard of that, yeah. So they're and they're they we have them here, but they're basically like little kind of like crustaceans, um, yeah. but they're really small and they live in the sand. But they're called sand fleas. But these are some ugly looking motherfuckers. Let me tell you, um, I, I I don't purposely go out of my way, but like if you put your hands like deep into the sand and like lift up, you you can usually sometimes find them near the shoreline. Um, now, not that I would ever do that because I have no desire to touch a sand flea, but um, apparently people cook them up and eat them, too. Um, so it's it's something I learned recently. <laughs> Interesting. It's, which is kind of spooky. They're a little creepy looking. But in any case, um, outside of that, I did watch some movies. Of course, that's kind of my thing. Um, I watched Run, Rabbit, Run. You mentioned that last week. Uh, yeah. What would you think of that? Um, I thought it was pretty solid. Um, I, I will say it was a little bit of a slow burn to begin with, but the further you got into the movie, it, it definitely got better. Um, by the end, I was definitely confused. Not like not like bad confused, but I was like, I was like, whoa, what's going on? Like, is this in her head? Is this real? You know, and then that that final shot of like, you know, her daughter and her, you know, spoiler, but her daughter and her deceased sister uh walking to the beach or whatever i was like okay so like i'm still trying to like like come to terms like is this real or not you know so i liked it um it it was interesting again a little bit of a slow burn it was a little i would almost say it was boring for like the first 30 minutes 30 40 minutes 
I would almost go that far. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's kind of what I was saying last week. I was like, you watch it for a while, and you're yeah. like, oh, what is this? And then it got to a point, and you're like, okay, and it, it kind of hooks you a little bit, and it's not too bad from there on out. It, yeah, 100%. Once it gets the hook, you're good. But it, it, starting out, I was a little like, oh, man, what am I watching? Um, outside of that, most of my other stuff is all rewatches, just rewatches of stuff that you know, uh, either myself or my wife haven't seen in a while. Um, we rewatched uh, Cabin in the Woods. Um, it's on HBO Max. Cabin Woods is fantastic. Honestly, it's probably one of the um, most underrated horror films of all time. Um, it, it's just a fantastic movie. Um, and then I watched uh, Strangers. Uh, I, I watched it on Vudu. It's not streaming anywhere other than like purchased video on demand. And then Strangers Pray at Night, which is on Stars if you have the Stars subscription. Um, I think me and Dave talked about it before. Strangers is a great movie. Um, Strangers Pray at Night doesn't quite live up to the expectations of the first movie, but it's still pretty good. Um, yeah, Strangers creeps me out. Yeah, it, it honestly, in my opinion, it kind of redefines sort of that like home invasion genre, um, especially for like a modern take, because uh, obviously you have some older like, you know, like when a stranger knocks or what is it? One missed call and stuff like that from like the early 90s and stuff like that or whatever. Um but yeah, you know, Strangers definitely is it's different. It's good though. Super good. Um and then I watched Final Destination uh one, two, three, and four. Uh four is called the Final Destination. I'm actually gonna watch the fifth one tonight. We just got on a kick of them. Uh I, I love the Final Destination movies. The Final Destination movies for me, after like the first one, it it, it, it steeply drops off in terms of quality, in my opinion. Because it's definitely just it's regurgitating the same stuff, but it's always interesting to see like all the very unique kills that they come up with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's pretty much what I watched Final Destination for is like the gory kills. I'm not really in it for like some storyline. Now I will say this: I am excited because they are making a new one. Um, They're making a new Final Destination. It's supposedly supposed to be coming out. I heard, so I've heard many things, but I heard it was either going to be end of this year or next year. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, the Final Destination uh, did have a lot of impact in pop culture because you see they that, uh, that uh, whatever you want to call it, that chain reaction sequence type kill, you know, creep into a lot of other things. Uh, recently, just, you know, I'm always watching Supernatural, the series, and there's, a, you know, they, they, they use a lot of those tropes and different things from uh you know horror movies uh, in a lot of different episodes you know different stylized episodes and there's an episode where it's kind of like that at the beginning where a guy's killed in his garage and there's this you know the whole sequence of you know him grabbing a broom which sets loose the uh skateboard which he steps on falls into a thing and knocks some balls down and he trips on the balls falls on his back one of the balls hits a mouse trap which sends it flying and knocks the stand and drops the garage door you know that whole final destination like sequence of Right. A dozen things happening to do, to do the kill. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, take it for what you will. Again, it, yeah, it is one of those things where there was a, you know, it was successful and then maybe they overplayed it off there for a while and it, it, it lost some of the originality of the first. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, the first, you know, it was I, to me kind of, you know, a bit groundbreaking It was in, in doing that um, and giving that uh Almost give that death, death as a character type feel to it, you yeah. know, and it's it's pretty unique. But I, I think you, especially you know near that time and shortly after, 
I mean, I think you saw that steep into a lot of pop culture. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Final Destination is one of those really interesting film series that it, it, its effect was not only on horror, but it, it definitely seeped into other parts of the culture. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I, I love the Final Destination movies. I'm not shitting on them at all, but I'm just saying the l- later ones are not as good as the first few. Yeah, um, a whole generation will, you know, forever be terrorized anytime they're driving down a road behind a, you know, a truck carrying logs. Yeah, logging truck. Yep, that's what I was gonna say. I, I think it was a lot of funny like memes from that that sh- series as well because. <laughs> Uh, especially in this day and age, especially since like the people who watch Final Destination are kind of like getting grown up and stuff. It, it is sort of a joke online or they're like, yeah, I won't drive behind logging trucks. I won't, you know, do this. I won't do that. You know, I'm afraid of lawnmowers, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Um, I, I do funny. that all the time if we're driving and there's a log truck, you know, and I'll come up behind it and I'll be like, oh, I'm going, I go to pass it. And I'm like, nope, not going to do that. I've seen Final Destination. So. Right. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, but otherwise, didn't really watch much of anything. Um, other than what I just said, but uh, yeah, I'm man. The Final Destination movies—they take up a lot of time. There's so many of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah, one of those things that uh, I will do a rewatch. I've not rewatched the the majority of those in a long time, uh, but with a new one on the horizon, you know, I'll, at some point I'll do a rewatch of them, uh, and you know, and even sit through ones that I don't care for or whatever, you know, because when I do a rewatch, it's, it's got to be complete. So that's right. But. Uh, I, uh, I'm not going to list off everything I watched this week because I, I watched so much stuff because I'm still working through the list on the, uh, in search of darkness, uh, the documentary, the three part documentary, uh, where they have the checklist of all the movies they discussed. And I'm, I'm working my way through them and, uh, any of them that I've seen recently or many, many times, I'm kind of, I'm not rewatching. I'm only watching the ones that I've not seen before or that I haven't seen in a while. Uh, but I, you know, I've I've hit and revisited a lot of movies. You know, things like, uh, you know, uh, the, you know, uh, the fog I hadn't watched in a while, the Changeling, Dress to Kill, the Burning, Firestarter, uh, Night of the Comet. I've watched a lot of these kind of things here recently, and most of them I've seen before, but it's just been uh, quite a while. One thing outside this realm that I did watch, I did watch uh, Sinister after you mentioned it last week when we were talking about the Insidious franchise, and you brought up Sinister. I thought, huh, you know, I haven't seen that in a while, so uh, I did watch Sinister shortly thereafter. <laughs> our last recording but uh so I've, I've watched a slew i mean i watched cujo I, i've watched so much stuff uh that i just you know majority of the stuff i haven't seen in many years uh just as i work my way through this list and uh, you know trying to to revisit some stuff and uh and, you know and, and watch some things that i haven't seen for a while i mean you know i've there there's there some good there's some bad and uh, what have you you know they're they're not all winners but uh but i'm watching <laughs> and uh it's it's fun. It's it's kind of I kind of like that it's, you know, I've got this list that I'm driving through and it's kind of guided by because a lot of times you know I'll sit there and thumb through and be like, what am I gonna watch? What am I gonna watch? What am I gonna watch? And you know I'll spend more time trying to scroll and find something that catches my eye than I than I do watching. So, uh, you know, a lot of times they're just so happen. You know, something <laughs> nothing catches my eye or jumps at me and who knows? I scroll through and end up you know whatever watching. The Simpsons or Batman 89 for the 5,000th time. So, <laughs> Oh, Lord, the Simpsons. Oh, always a good comeback to you. Oh, you got to come back to the Simpsons. Yeah, that, that's my go-to when I am really can't pay much attention or if I just have a, a limited amount of time. It's That's my go-to, throwing an episode, you know, an episode of The Simpsons on. And uh, it's always good for a chuckle, no matter how many times you see them, especially those early seasons. So, Absolutely. Well, all right, then. Let's get... To our weekly segment. 
Cruz and an AI. And this week we are going to play Two Truths and an AI. And this is Ike, where uh, we have three descriptions of horror movies. And two of them are actual uh, descriptions of actual movies that were made. And one of them is not. And it was generated by an AI uh, with Monica handling all that work. And I'm going to read them to you. And you're going to try to see if you can choose the fake movie. And that this uh, so far we've done this three times. You have successfully picked twice and been unsuccessful once. Uh, right now you're on a, a a one game losing streak. So let's see what you can do here. Uh, I've got the descriptions in front of me. Ike, are you ready to play Two Truths and an AI? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. All right, here we go. Movie number one: Three small town friends stumble upon a book in an abandoned house. Despite the clear warnings, they open the book only to bring unimaginable horrors to life. Okay. Movie number two. This is the story of a little girl who somehow finds herself in a strange fantasy world filled with magical creatures after she and her mother move. Originally only fascinating, they soon turn into things she can't run from. Okay. And movie number three. A family moves into their dream home only to find it haunted by the previous family. In their attempts to rid the home of the ghost, they unlock entity an entity more fearsome than the first. Interesting. They all all sound like uh, potential movies. Yeah, I, I was I was thinking that because that first one, um, it kind of sounds like uh, scary stories to tell in the dark, um, the Guillermo del Toro movie. Because uh, I yeah they because st- they, they open the book or the journal or whatever and it starts like you know shit starts happening and whatnot. Also there's like a billion movies where there's like an evil book. The yeah. second one, um, that one kind of sounds like Labyrinth, like the David Bowie movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not like sure if that counts as like a horror movie or is that like horror adjacent maybe. I don't know. The third one. Sounds it could be a number of things. Um, I mean, like Amityville Horror, uh, you know, uh, Poltergeist. Um, see, the thing about the third one, the thing about the third movie that that it, it's it's rubbing me the wrong way is that I, I can't think of a horror movie where they get rid of something and then the next thing is even worse. Like I can't think of a like a ghost movie like that. Um, this one's well, hard. I have a good guess on what the third movie is. Do you? Okay. But I, I'm so, not trying. I'm not, well, I guess I did just help you, but I could be wrong because I've not seen the answers. I, I had no part in this. But I will tell right. you. Then I'll tell you. Then let's have a discussion. The third one sounds. Uh, I, and I could be wrong, but the third one sounds an awful lot like Beetlejuice. Yeah, it does sound like Beetlejuice, doesn't it? Yeah, because. Yep. I guess that's true. So then, if the third one's Beetlejuice, the second one could be a labyrinth. Because I'm, if I'm, I, I have not seen Labyrinth in a long time. But if I remember correctly from Labyrinth, it, it, it's the girl moves and like somehow ends up in like this thing or something like that. I thought. I don't remember though. Oh man, this is a bad thing about not remembering movies sometimes. Okay. But then the first one then also seems kind of generic, right? Like it could be any movie that has to do with a book. Okay, so I think based on our deductions, based on my what my brain is telling me, 
I'm going to say that the first movie is the AI. All right. So Ike is picking movie number one, which says three small town friends stumble upon a book in an abandoned house. Despite the clear warnings, they open the book only to bring unimaginable horrors to life. Ike says that is the AI. So let's go to the uh, to the, the results here. Boy, that could be uh, goosebumps too, couldn't it? No, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Uh, uh, again, this says three small town friends stumble upon a book in an abandoned house. Despite the clear warnings, they open the book only to find or to bring unimaginable horrors to life. And that is the AI movie. Whew. It is generated generated with the parameters of three friends go through a portal that takes them to a place with horrors. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, movie number two says this is the story of a little girl who somehow finds herself in a strange fantasy world filled with magical creatures after she and her mother move. Uh, originally only fascinating, they soon turn into things she can't run from. And you're kind of it's, on the same on the it on Pan's the right. Labyrinth? It is Pan's Labyrinth from 2006. Okay. Yep. Of Ed <laughs> Shutter. So you were on the right are on the right path there. And number sorry. three, sorry, oh, you were no, you're reading that, and I was like, oh shit, that's Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> go it ahead, is. continue. Yep. Pan's Labyrinth from 2006, which is available on Shutter for anyone that wants to watch it. And movie number three, a family moves into their dream home only to find it haunted by the previous family. In their attempts to rid the home of the ghosts, they unlock an entity more fearsome than the first. That is, from 1988, Beetlejuice, available on Hulu. I thought that sounded like the old Beetlejuice. Uh, I got a lot of Beetlejuice on the brain here lately with uh, Beetlejuice 2 coming up and set pictures being leaked and everything else. And I thought, oh, you know. So there you go, Ike. You, uh, you've rebounded. You're now three and one. You correctly... Uh, Correctly picked. Now, if I hadn't brought up the Beetlejuice thing, would you? Do you think you would have picked three? Uh, I I was I was bouncing back and forth before between one and three, but I was definitely before you said Beetlejuice, I was leaning more towards three. Ah, I there you go. <laughs> well, I have no inside information. Like I said, I have I did not see the results. I don't have any 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 partaking of it, and I do not read anything advanced. So, um, so that was just purely discussion there. So. All right, so there's a win for Ike today. So uh, let's take a moment, let him celebrate just a little bit. And when we come back, we will have news, anniversaries, birthdays, merchandise, all that good stuff filling you with your horror goodness. Make sure you subscribe to listen to their screams on your favorite podcast platform. Also, make sure you look us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, TikTok, and Slasher. All you have to do is look up Listen to Screams, that is Listen, the number two in Screams, and you can find us there. Also, make sure you go and buy yourself a Listen to Their Screams t-shirt. You can find all of our shirts at tinyurl.com Screams Shirts. And we are back with the news. Spread the news. <laughs> I have to make like an audio clip of that or something. All I know. Right. It. I, I think I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna take that and uh, loop it around and, and put it behind a some kind of track and that'll be a, that'll be our new intro into the news. So love it. So right off the bat, In City is the Red Door. It came in with a box office of 33 million dollars on a domestic opening weekend with a 68 million dollar worldwide. Knocked Indiana Jones out of first place and had the highest opening of the franchise. Um, that's fantastic news, of course. Uh, you know, Insidious was a, you know, we'll talk about the movie a little bit later, but, you know, Dave and I, we both love the Insidious, uh, tr you know, series. So it's obviously exciting to hear that it did so well. Um, so, yeah, absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, to me, 
why are more studios why are more studios not making horror movies invested in horror projects because they're they're like the only sure bets anymore and uh, i mean i'm not saying you know if you don't oversaturate the market that won't have an impact but i mean every big horror release has a, a big ass or opening weekend and, and performs well in the box office i mean how many have we had this year i mean but you know megan and and scream and uh i don't even know what evil dead rise and i mean yeah they're all they all perform so Time for the world to wake up. That's right. Wake up, people. <laughs> so we also have uh, some other not-so-horror-related, horror-movie-related news. But everyone's favorite store that pops up in an abandoned party city or an abandoned Toys R Us, uh, Spirit Halloween is releasing information on all of the upcoming items to be available um, in the coming holiday season. Uh, obviously, we are past the major summer holidays. Uh, you know, we have Labor Day, I guess, coming up in uh, September. Uh, but we are very close. We are very, very close to Spooktober. And it is only a matter of time before it is undeniable that falls upon us. So uh, I think Dave and I are both pretty excited for that. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we and we also both love Spear Hall. I mean, I'm excited for when those eventually open up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, I follow a lot of things online that you know, go into this stuff. And it, it is, I mean, you're getting sporadic things at stores, you know, candy and, and different things are starting to pop up here and there at some stores, you know, cause the, the early stores, they get this stuff out and it's like, Oh, and uh, we're very close to the, the, the spirit Halloween, the flagship store, which is somewhere in New Jersey. It's always the first one that, you know, that they open, it, it, it's getting ready to open, which kind of, you know, kicks it all off for them. But yeah, you can already order some stuff from them, you know, that's out there and they're, you know, unveiling some of their, their fall stuff and oh, it's so cool. I get so excited as you know as we get towards this time of year. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and actually, uh, what was it? I think it was a uh, there's a new like shape of Reese's cup that I thought heard that was coming out for Halloween. Yeah, the, it's like it's like ghost shaped or something like that, or uh, skeleton yeah, shaped or something like that. It, yeah. It's either ghost or skeleton, but you know, obviously, uh-huh. I love Reese's cups and. I'm a firm believer, and this is before we move on, because we started talking about Halloween and we started talking about the different merchandise and stuff. But it reminded me, the uh, Reese's like pumpkins and like the Reese's trees, in my opinion, they taste better than cups. They're the best. Yeah. Yeah, they are the best. There's a, I mean, you come on. I mean, original Reese's cups are perfection, but there is something, I don't know, there's something about the chocolate to peanut butter ratio or something, or just not having that rigid, I don't know what it is, but yes, I, I agree. Uh, the the pumpkins the uh, trees anything special like that yeah they they just I don't know maybe it's just the holiday joy that is in each one so that just makes it taste a little <laughs> better but I don't know but I agree yeah I, you know and, and the funny thing is like I've been trying to like you know watch my calories and stuff you know behind the scenes like that's you know trying to lose weight and stuff but man when the Reese's come out when the Reese's shapes come out that all goes out the window I gotta have at least like a, a dozen they're so good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fall, fall through, you know, Halloween through Christmas, that whole time of year, I'm in trouble. Same. 100% same. Oh, Lord. So, in other news, other than talking about Reese Caps, uh, we have some interesting merchandise news. So, you may have may have heard, uh, Friday 13th is losing the, uh, Friday 13 games, losing its licensing. Um, so, a lot of stuff's been changing. They put it up for sale and everything else. But the Friday 13th Switch game has been completely unlocked. So here's a quick rundown of what's changing. The 30 legendary perks are being awarded to everybody. 
the most popular perks, no negative effects, best roll possible. All players are level 150, all kills unlocked, all challenge skulls unlocked, no XP or CP is earned, and no matchmaking functionality is lost. So the whole reason behind this um, basically is sort of a go out with the bang mentality. Um, you know, Friday 13th is ideally going to hopefully still be active, I think, through 2024, potentially. But the big thing is, is that it's soon not going to be able to be purchased because they're losing the uh, licensing. So if you have not purchased this game, it is dirt cheap right now. And I mean, dirt cheap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the download stuff. Yeah, it's I, I think I mean, I'm literally thinking it was like, I don't know, five, ten dollars now or something like it's to download. It's it's wild. It really is. And and here's the, here's the crazy thing. It's like, you know, back in the day, video games came fully loaded, right? There's no such thing as DLC. And I personally, I have a very negative opinion of DLC in general. I think if you're going to per- sell a game that's $60, $70, $80 as it is, I shouldn't have to shell out any more fucking money to get the stuff that's supposed to come with it. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But w- what, what I truly believe about the Friday the 13th game is that the creators know that this is a passion product. This is a... A lovely game that is made for the fans, so they are really trying their hardest so that way all fans of this franchise can get in there, get a taste, and just ride that, you know, ride Puff the Dragon until it no longer rides no more. You know what I mean? And that's exactly what it is. You know, this game's going to go away eventually. You know, won't have online matchmaking capabilities anymore after a certain point. Um, If you haven't already downloaded, it's obviously not going to go anywhere, but there will come a point where that game will no longer have functionality as a multiplayer game. So they're really trying to get people to like, enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's still a fun game to play offline and just play, you know, you know, by yourself. It's, it's, I mean, it's still fun that way, but uh, right. Yeah. So I, I still highly suggest, even with, you know, with the looming end of the online stuff, you know, I, I still highly suggest people grab it while it's cheap and, and uh, you know, whatever else. I mean, they're, they're talking that, you know, the, the, it'll get picked up by someone else. There's going to be a new game in development, very very soon so uh, yeah it's interesting times for the uh, the world of Friday the 13th gaming absolutely absolutely all right with that out of the way we now have some upcoming birthdays and upcoming anniversaries starting us off at the top we have uh, July 14th 1961 we have Jackie Earl Haley and I'm not going to read the uh, little notation <laughs> that uh, Monica threw in there uh, no I'll, I'll read it she said worst Freddy Krueger ever Nightmare on Elm Street remake also horrible smiley face um, first of all don't appreciate the shade uh, but, but also he's not the worst uh, you know Freddy I mean I guess if you compare him to like Robert England I guess by default, Robert England is the, you know, he, he is Freddy Krueger, right? So obviously, I, I, I guess if you're going to go by, you know, strict rules, yes, he is the lesser of the two. Uh, but that does not mean that Jack Earl Haley is not a fantastic actor um, whom I love because I love uh, the Bad News Bears. And I also like the remake of, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> yeah, for any for any new listeners, go back a, a few episodes and. The uh, the last I believe it was the last wives rebuttal we had mm-hmm. where uh, Monica and I uh, debated Isaac and Kayla on the uh, the merits of the Nightmare on Elm Street remake with Jackie Harley. So that's that's where this all stems from. Yes, it is. It's a sore spot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
So we also have another really cool birthday, uh, July 16th, 1971. We have the uh, wonderful Corey Feldman. Uh, you know, he's from Friday 13th, Final Chapter. Um, he's also uh, had a cameo on Friday 5. And he's also from Lost Boys and Gremlins, as well as a billion other movies um, from this time period. Uh, Friday 13th, Final Chapter is my... that That is my, like de facto Friday 13th movie. I think that's the best one in my opinion. You know, it, it has the kind of the de facto look of Jason. It has the de facto, you know, mask, the machete, all of the good shit that you love in a Friday 13th movie. That movie has it. Also, Corey Feldman's character is fantastic. Great lead up, great segue into another movie. I think that they could have done a fantastic thing with his character, but they kind of, I felt like they shot it away. Not to say the other movies aren't good, but it definitely could have been better. Um, yeah. What are your I thoughts agree. on Corey Feldman? <laughs> yeah, I like Corey. I like you know I like a lot of Corey stuff. Uh, but you know he's a, I mean he's great in Lost Boys, right? I mean yeah. him and the the other guy and and Corey Haynes in it and uh, you know whether they play the Frog Brothers or whatever and uh, they're great. I mean I <laughs> they're just they're hilarious in, in that movie and it's it's like um a touch of comic relief in a kind of a you know a dark kind of serious movie. Um, but it's because they're kids. It's it's not hokey. It's you know it's very it's very well placed. But yeah, he's he's great. And I mean he's done you know lots of other movies, non horror movies. You know, License to Drive, all these other movies that are that are great. That uh, I mean I grew up those times, and you know the the Corys were a big thing. Yeah, absolutely. They definitely were. They even had their own show, didn't they? It was like called like the the Corys or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, later. Yeah, I think there was something, but. But I'm not that familiar with it. <laughs> Me neither. I just remember they had it, but uh, very cool. Very cool. Now, we have a couple of upcoming movie anniversaries. We have July 16th, 1958. We have The Fly. Um, the original I know, Yeah, the original Fly, not not the, uh, not the uh, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. That's, uh, that's, I couldn't remember his name. Not the Jeff Goldblum Fly. I've actually not seen the original Fly. I, I believe I've seen Goldblum's Fly, but I don't think I've seen the original it's pretty good. I, I mean, I, I'm so I'm partial to the Goldblum, the 80s version. Uh, but, and, you know, for, for a 50s movie and, and everything, it's it's not bad. Yeah, absolutely. I'll just check it out. I like to check on those every now and then, like watch some random movie from the olden days. <laughs> I say the olden days. It was like, well, I mean, to be fair, that is like, you know, almost 70 years ago. But. That's wild. <laughs> But uh, July 16th, 1999, within my lifetime, we have uh, the Blair Witch Project. Um, you know, I, I love the Blair Witch. I know a lot of people are here or there, the Blair Witch. Um, you know, I don't I, I think that the uh, Blair Witch movie, it, it's overhated in the online world. I think a lot of people just hate it to hate it. It's kind of popular to hate the Blair Witch movie because everyone kind of like talks about that scene where like she's all snotty and stuff. Um it's kind of like Nickelback. I feel like Blair Witch is kind of like Nickelback of like horror movies, uh-huh. even though the Blair Witch is like incredibly like important to, I would say, like horror movie history, found footage movies, stuff like that. Um, I love it. I know, Dave, you're not a huge fan of found footage, but if I remember correctly, you, you like the, the Blair Witch Project, didn't you? Yeah, I do. And and I think anybody that that's given it extreme hate, whether even if you don't like it, if you're giving it a lot of hate, I don't think you could have been around during that time when it came out because they 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 fooled the world right everybody thought this was a legit thing i mean they played it up putting out press releases putting out this and that 
the the actors were not out there being seen. They they played it very close to the hip, and um, you know, then we were talking a pre-internet world, and uh, there was a, a, you know a lot of us that that thought this was a legit thing at first, and it it was a new thing, right? I mean, so I'm not saying you know if, that if you like found footage, that if you like other movies more than this or whatever, so be it. But for its place in the scope of history, it's it's a very important movie. Absolutely, absolutely. Couldn't say it any better myself. Now we have one last upcoming movie, or not upcoming movie, release. Upcoming movie anniversary. <laughs> it might be a little, little too late for a release. Um, July 20th, 1958, we have Frankenstein, 1970. Um, so I, I've not, not seen this movie, obviously. Uh, I'm not sure. Is it supposed to take place in like the 70s or something like that? Yeah, it's not that great a movie. Fair enough, fair enough. Hey, you don't got to tell me twice. Uh, but yeah, that's an anniversary coming up on the 20th, and it is from 1958. Very nice. Now, on to some new releases. First and foremost, we have the uh, first ever uh, Lithuanian horror film, or slasher film, I'm sorry. Uh, we Might Hurt Each Other. We Might Hurt Each Other follows a group of privileged high school classmates after these classmates destroy a set of life-size wooden statues during a wild graduation party. A mysterious mass killer begins picking the group off one by one. This film is heavily influenced by Friday the 13th and is an homage to that classic thriller slasher film. And uh, it is from Lithuania and was per, uh, previously titled Rupert. Pentolegelius, um, <laughs> all vowels soft. None of those are long, so I hope I said it right. And this film will be exclusively, and is currently, I say, should say, exclusively to Screenbox. Now, I haven't checked this out yet, but it is out now. Um, I think I will probably check it out. What do you think, Dave? Oh, I'll definitely watch it. Like I said, we, we discussed this a little last episode. I mean, if it's a slasher, I'm going to watch it. Um, so, yeah, I, I anticipate that before we record next episode, I'll probably watch this. Yeah, I think I'll probably try to see what happens. And then, uh, all right, it looks like we have, oh, wow, there's, oh, wow, we have a lot of stuff that is already out. Wow. Okay. So we have another one. God is a bullet. It is available for purchase on digital platforms. But taking his matters into his own hands, Detective Bob Hightower tries to infiltrate an evil cult to save his kidnapped daughter and avenge the murder of his wife. It is starring Nicolaj Coaster Waldo uh, from Game of Thrones, Jamie Foxx from Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, Micah Monroe from It Follows and Independence Day Resurgence, and it is written and directed by Nick Cassavetes uh, from Alpha Dog. Um, sounds interesting. I, I like cult-esque movies, so I think I check that out. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. It's, uh, I mean, I like Jamie Foxx overall. Uh, you know, he tends to do some some pretty good stuff, so. Yeah, at some point in time, I'll give it a shot. There you go. You, you, you've heard the verdict. Jamie Foxx is in it. That's all that matters. <laughs> <Don't get> it. <laughs> I love Jamie Foxx, too, though. I think he's really cool. Um, and then uh, Micah Monroe. Uh, I, I, she, I'm trying to remember who she plays in the It Follows movie. I think it's the main character, I believe. But that's cool. I like It Follows, too. Um, but that's a conversation for another day, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then we also have Quicksand, uh, the film we were actually supposed to re review a couple weeks ago, um, but uh, and we confirmed that it did originally have a June release date, but it was postponed to July. Uh, but it is currently available on Shutter slash AMC Plus. Yep. And we're going to review it next week now. So cool. 
There you yeah. go. Look at that. Well, we got it. We slipped it in there somewhere. Don't you guys worry. But uh, an American couple on the brink of divorce, always a great start, um, traveled to Columbia for a work conference. Uh, while on a hike through the rainforest, a storm causes them to become trapped in a pit of quicksand and un- unable to move. It becomes a struggle for survival as they battle the elements of the jungle and a venomous snake in order to escape. It is starring Carolina Gaitan from Encanto and Alan Hocko from Jack Ryan. Um, so I don't know who that is from Encanto or from Jack Ryan, but I think we talked about this movie before. You know, I if, if definitely I've not seen any trailers or anything, but I can already tell it's probably like a small scale, small scope type movie, small set, uh, probably takes place mostly in that, you know, that pit of sand, uh, probably in the same ballpark of like, holy shit or um, 127 hours or whatever that Ryan Reynolds movies where he's buried alive. Um, but, uh, definitely interesting. I'll be excited to watch that, uh, for sure. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's why, uh, I'm kind of glad it worked out where we could still review it because I was looking forward to it, you know, when we thought we were watching it before. So, but it worked out where we, you know, wasn't anything else more prominent or whatever. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, you know, could be fun. Absolutely. All right, so we have a couple more upcoming releases. I say a couple, there's quite a few, so we'll just try and, you know, rock through these here. So we have The Flood on July 14th that will have a limited theatrical uh, release and a digital release as well. Uh, A daring jailbreak during a dangerous Louisiana hurricane is interrupted by a horde of large, hungry alligators. This is starring none other than Casper Van Dyme from Starship Troopers, uh, you know, he's, he's, he plays Rico. Um, I, I love Starship Troopers. It's probably one of my favorite, like so science fiction movies of all time. Um, and it also has Nikki Whalen from Halloween to the, uh, Rob Zombie edition. Um, I'll definitely check this out. I like both those yeah. people. So looks interesting yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. Some killer alligators could be, could be all right. That's right. Killer alligators. We also have Bird Box Barcelona. That's a triple B for you. Bird Box Barcelona on July 14th and on Netflix. It is a Spanish language follow-up to the original Bird Box. After an entity of mysterious origin annihilates the world's population, causing those who observe it to take their lives, Sebastian and his daughter begin their own great adventure of survival in Barcelona. This is starring Georgina Campbell from The Barbarian and Mario Casas. Um, I loved Bird Box, the original, so I'll probably check this out. Can't can't beat a good Bird Box movie. Yeah, sounds fun. Yeah, sounds fun too. Yeah, I remember. God, I remember when Bird Box was, oh, was this, was the hot thing when it came out. So, yeah, I'll probably give it a shot at some point. Very cool. And then we also have Final Cut from July 14th with a limited theatrical release. This is a French remake, so a subtitled remake of the movie One Cut of the Dead. Uh, which is a 2017 horror comedy phenom from Japan, uh, $25,000 budget, grossed about $30 million worldwide. Um, I have, I believe, seen One Cut of the Dead. It is a zombie-esque movie from Japan. Um, definitely relies on the, the heavy comedy of it. Um, so, I mean, I'll, I'll watch I'll watch a French remake of it. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll give it a shot. I mean, if it's, you know, if it grossed $30 million or whatever else, I mean, gotta be doing gotta done something right so give it a shot exactly can't beat it 
And then we also have Natty Knox. We talked about this briefly last week, but it's on July 21st. Uh, limited theatrical release and a same-day digital release. Uh, it is a small-time babysitter and the kid she is looking after struggle to survive a serial killer on Halloween Eve. Starring none other than uh, horror icon and legend Robert England from the Nightmare on Elm Street series and Daniel Harris, pardon me, Daniel Harris from the Halloween series uh, from like four to four to five, four to six ish. Um, obviously, uh, I'm gonna watch this for Robert England alone, but this definitely sounds like an old school slasher, so I'm all aboard. Yeah, and I, I think in two episodes, I think we'll, I think we'll review this. Because I don't, I think we have another hole there with you know not not any big release or whatever else. And I thought this would be a this would be a fun one for us to review uh, there in two episodes. So we'll do quicksand next episode, and then the following week we'll plan to do Na- uh, Natty Knox. So very cool. You heard it here first, folks. And then last but not least, or maybe least, who knows? Uh, we have The Mistress from July 28th, and it will be limited theatrical and a digital release. The Mistress follows newlyweds that move into their dream home and discover their old love letters that unleash a horrifying spirit. The LA International Film Festival Best Feature winner uh, was awarded to this film, so um, you know I'll I'll give it a shot. I like uh, international films and such, so. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll give anything a shot once before I uh, never watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by how they how they do that with love letters unleashing a horrifying spirit. That, was, that should be interesting. It's it, it's got my Absolutely. attention. That's right. All right. Whew, that was a lot of stuff to talk about. So if you missed any of that or if anything I just said to you sound like French because I'm talking fast, make sure you follow us on social media because we'll probably post about this stuff again in the future when it comes out. With that in mind, uh, we're going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we will talk about the one, the only, Insidious Red Door. Listen to Their Screams is now a Fangoria collaborator. Get 20% off your order at shop.fangoria.com by using the promo code listen to screams at checkout. That is listen to number two and screams, or you can click the link in the show notes. All right, and we're back on Listen to Their Screams, and it is time for our review. And this week we are reviewing Insidious the Red Door, which is out now in theaters, as we mentioned earlier, uh, on its opening weekend. The number one uh, movie domestically at the box office. Uh, it is available theatrically, and it is the Lamberts must go deeper into the further than ever before to put their demons to rest once and for all. It is starring Ty Simpkins uh, from the Insidious franchise Jurassic World. And he's a hardly Harley Kinder in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Patrick Wilson, of course, from the other Insidious movies and from the Conjuring franchise. And Rose Byrne from the Insidious movies and Bridesmaid. And this is also Patrick Wilson's directorial debut. He was the triple threat in this movie. He acted, directed, and sung a song uh, again <laughs> in this movie. So, uh, yeah, Patrick Wilson showing off all the skills in this movie. And... Um, and this is the thing. I was, I was super psyched about this movie, super excited. And I, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, when it started, I, I thought there for a bit, I thought, oh, it's kind of moving a little slow. But then when it started, really started going, uh, it, man, it really, for me, it really went. And uh, contrary to a lot of times when, uh, I mean, I, I complain sometimes about how they, they try to overdevelop characters in movies and they take too long and, not, and don't get to some action. I think when you have a movie like this where it's the fifth installment and you got that that time gap where there's a lot of stuff that's happened. Uh, and, you know, and we've mentioned the spoilers many times, but, you know, I mean, you've got the Lamberts are divorced. Uh, you know, there, there's there's obviously a strained relationship uh, between Josh and the kids. 
and you kind of find out that it's mostly due to the fact that he senses or feels that something's something's wrong with him, right? That he, he feels hazy, and it's because of the where they were, were you know set to forget the the memories of the further and everything that happened him and him and the son, um, the oldest son, and uh, the oldest son is going to college, and there, but there's there's a lot of development between the strained relationship between the father and the son. And, and again, sometimes that, that doesn't work, right? It's, it's too slow for a, a horror movie or whatever else. Given, like I said, that we are, as far as the Lamberts, this is the third movie of their story. Um, and we've had that, that time gap jump. I think it works really well on this because it, it, it helps bring you up to speed. It helps create the tension uh, that is between these two and this, this, this gap in this space between father and son, which becomes a very crucial part of the last part of the movie. Um, and, and to get that resolved. So, um, I, I know I, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm critical sometimes of that, of a slow burn being too slow. Uh, but I really feel like it, it kind of works with this movie. What do you think? Yeah. So I, 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 first and foremost, I love the movie. Uh, let me just say that right out of the front. Um, I will agree that sort of the lead up to like, I would say for the first like 20 or 30 minutes or so, um, it is a lot of exposition. It is a lot of kind of catching you up from where we were, where we've been type thing. Um, but, you know, and they open up to a funeral. Um, it is uh, Patrick, you know, Patrick Wilson's character, Josh, his mother, Lorraine, um, is dead in this film. Um, she had recently, did, you know, passed away. So basically you have sort of this uh, catalyst for everything that happens in the film um, is sort of Lorraine passing. Um, this court sort of created the uh, needed stress and everything else that kind of caused, you know, their powers to start to resurface and things like that. Um, you know, Dave kind of mentioned that, you know, they started to develop a story about, you know, this sort of turmoil within the Lambert family. Um, basically, after their memories were sealed away at the end of the second film, they basically store. I mean, specifically, Josh became hazy. Right. He was not able to remember things, and that sort of drove a wedge in the relationship between him and Renee, which is his wife in the original films. But they are divorced in this film, or at least separated. I don't remember if they specifically ever said they were divorced. Yeah, um, I, don't they, I don't know if they said that either. But, but in any case, they are not together. Um, and one of the big also catalysts is like forgetting what had happened in the past. Right. That was like the big thing. Right. Just forgetting. Um, so Dalton and Josh, of course, both completely forgot. Renee remembers everything. And the other uh, child, Foster, I believe, um, he remembers, but not really because he was really young. So you have this very interesting dynamic that they actually create very well with the family where Renee is sort of taking most of this burden from trying to hide this horrible thing that happened to their family um, because both Dalton and Josh can't remember due to what was happened in the second film. And the younger one basically did remember, but basically Renee had lied to him and tell him it was not real. So you create, yeah, he just very... pretty much, pretty much just remembers the incident where in his mind, Josh tried to kill him. And, uh, yeah. and, and I don't think he had a lot of the background behind what had happened. I think it, you know, I don't know if it was portrayed to him that, you know, Dad had, you know, something mentally going on. It was just a, a one-off. But, you know, yeah, he didn't have he didn't have the full story. But he remembers that that incident in the basement. Right, yeah, with the hammer. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, so you have this very tumultuous, basically, connection between all these people now that has festered for 
a decade, basically. So then you have Lorraine dies, and this now creates an additional, you know, salt in the wound, if you will. So now Josh and Dalton start, you know, their their powers start to kind of resurface. They start kind of going into furthermore. Um, and, you know, and the movie was great because it really, it, I think the slow burn worked well because it slowly scaled up the insanity, right? It started at like a, there's people in the background that maybe aren't actually in the background, right? There's these little weird things that are happening. You know, Dalton's starting to remember things. He's in his art class. You know, he's kind of like starting to like things are starting to trigger just a little bit, but it's nothing crazy. But then eventually it starts to scale up. He starts seeing full bodied apparitions trying to attack him. You know, um, Josh is literally attacked in his home by an apparition. So it, it, it sort of burns because it's like they don't remember anything and then everything starts happening. So now they're super confused. They're super scared. And it eventually leads to the, you know, the climax of the film, which is Josh remember is forced to remember everything that happened. You know, he's told by Renee, um, he has to go into the further to save Dalton and everything else from the red face demon. So it's all great. Honestly, the lead up to this is great. My one, uh, my one, I guess complaint is they very much just jumped into the further, right? Yeah. Where whereas in other films such as the uh, Insidious Chapter One and Insidious Chapter Two, they sort of not that they ease you into it, but there's a little bit more um, there's a little bit more of a disposition for it, right? They 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 kind of bring you into it, they kind of give you some information, they kind of venture in a little bit. But they sort of just leap into it. <clears throat> and and I, I think that what they were trying to go for was, you know, it's like riding a bike. You never forget how to ride a bike. I, I think that that's what they were going for. But it just felt rushed because Dalton jumps into the further. And like the second time that he voluntarily goes into the further, he gets kidnapped. You know what I mean? I, I felt like there could have been more prelude to that than him just getting kidnapped by the demon and then the demon possess him and shit. Also, Josh at this point in time had not in any way, shape or form engaged with the further purposefully. Whereas Dalton had Dalton had sort of built himself up to this, but then Josh is just like, boom, let's, let's go. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, and it just felt out of place. It, it just didn't feel right. So that's my, that's my major complaint is that I felt like they really just threw the further at us without much context, pretext, anything like that. No warming up. Josh is in the further. Josh is doing this. Josh is doing that. And it just felt kind of, it felt rushed. It felt lazy. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I think so too. I think, I think they could have during the slow burn part there, they could have added a little, some, some layers here and there. And yeah. some of the tools they utilize in the other movies were, we, we spoke of it last episode where they, they add a dimension where they hit back to a, a previous movie. Right. And there's something that was happening there that, you know, you find out there was something else happening at the same time. And I think there could have been, could have been some more of that put in maybe. So maybe some, some appearances of Josh from the further from the past that would have over kind of overlapped with the current a little or, or something, or, or maybe even utilize the lease a little more um, where, you know, I mean, they, she only had the little, I think just a little spot there at the end where Josh kind of sees her uh, coming out of the further. And um, I, I I don't think it had to have been a lot, but I think there was room during that slow burn in the character build and the establishing these new relationships, you know, status of these new relationships 
They, I think they could have put a little bit in there, right? Maybe a little something at the funeral or, or something, uh, a little more. Like, or when he saw Elisa's friend at the funeral and you, he clearly, in his mind, somehow thought he knew this guy. I don't know. Maybe there could have been something, right? Something that maybe he could could have spotted something here and there uh, to kind of to kind of give a little more trigger to it. Um, and I don't think it would have hurt the story at all to add some of that. I think it would have flowed right into it. Um, and they did add kind of add the layer uh, of, of talking about uh, Josh's dad in this, too, which I don't think there's been a whole lot of discussion about him in previous movies. Has there um, where they say he was in a. Uh, you know, in, in, in a, you know, like a mental hospital or had a mental condition, psychiatric hospital or whatever. And uh, I think he jumped yeah. off the roof of it and killed himself. And, you know, there was always just the assumption that it was, you know, something, you know, some kind of mental condition. But he was actually had the same abilities, but they didn't know what that what it was. He thought it was, you know, it was something, um, something else because there was not the awareness of it then. And um, and I, I don't know. I don't know that that added much to the story per se, um, really in the overall, but, but you know, it was, it was, I guess it fleshed out Josh a little more. Um, but I, I think, I think the story would have been okay without that. I don't know if it's, they tried to use that as a tool of the Josh, not really having a relationship with his father to try to mirror the, that's what he was thinking. The, the problem with him and Dalton were that it was the same kind of falling out. Um, you know, because he didn't have he didn't have that before and, and that that experience and any kind of role model like that in his life to, to have that fatherly relationship. That, that that's why maybe he was fail, he felt that was why he was failing as a father now. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know that that worked particularly well. I don't think they played on it enough to, to make that effective. So I think it kind of got lost the shuffle, but it I don't think it hurt anything per se. Um, but, you know, and it's. I kind of liked, uh, you know, the specs and the other guy <laughs> seeing the U- seeing them in the YouTube video. Uh, I thought that was kind of a neat way to work them into it when uh, Chris and Dalton are in the, the dorm room and they're trying to figure out kind of what's going on with Dalton. And she shows him, you know, that video she found on YouTube with them. Um, I thought that was kind of funny and kind yeah. of a neat way to weave them into the story a little bit. Um, I, I did like Chris as a new character. I thought she was pretty funny. And uh I think she they portrayed her as wacky enough and free spirited enough and 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 anti establishment enough and kind of a, her own you know marched to her own beat that uh, it wasn't such a thing when she was kind of accepting a little bit of what's going on and believing. I, I don't think it felt like a leap because you know you, you would suspect someone like her has a very open mind to things. Um, but it gave it gave a little something right and it gave us it gave us the thing to get Dalton's side of it, right? For him to open up and talk a little bit so we can get his side of the Josh Dalton thing. And that's otherwise how, you know, it, it'd be kind of hard to get Dalton. I mean, where's he going to express this? Right. So I think it worked for that. Um, and uh, it did. I kind of, like I said, I enjoyed the movie. I kind of agree with you. When it got to, I, I kind of, when it got to the part where he went and saw uh, his wife or his ex-wife or whatever, and um, and they were having the discussion and she was kind of like, oh, OK. And she just kind of tells him what, what I was kind of like, oh, that just kind of seemed all of a sudden to me. Now, I don't know. I don't I don't feel like she, <laughs> I guess I didn't feel like she fought it much of, of what the effect. I don't know. It just kind of felt a little odd to me how she just kind of filled it. I don't know. I, it felt 
it felt a little too easy for him to suddenly get everything, you know, learn everything back. I don't know. It struck me as a little, I don't know. Like he, <laughs> he didn't earn it. Right. It was, it was odd, but, uh, but overall it was, it was a pretty good, it was a pretty good movie. Uh, there were some definitely some creepy parts. Like I said, we we mentioned uh, last episode that was in the trailer, the MRI. Who creeped me out? Oh yeah. And, and uh, even before he saw the person, that whole scene where he's sitting there and he's panicked, right, because the lights are out and he can't get out and no one's talking to him and he squeezes that whole thing. I, I, I almost couldn't watch part of it. It it was <laughs> literally striking on 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 my phobia there. Uh, did not like that at all. And uh, but it was you know. I think it was a fun movie. I think it was a good, you know, a, a fairly decent installment in the series and a fairly decent installment in the in the Lambert story. Uh, they do, you know, we they give, the, you know, the indication that they believe the the, the red door is sealed. Right. And, uh, and then it's done. But then the, there at the end, you see the light above the red door or the above the door comes on, which gives us the hint that maybe that's not completely true. Or, or I guess that's I guess that's a credit scene. Yeah. Um, credit. Yeah, an incredible where you know, so they've definitely, no pun intended, kind of left the door ajar uh, for for something else. I don't know that it'll be a Lambert thing. Uh, I I, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like they've probably I, I think they're done with the Lamberts, and I think they will branch out and expand the universe like we we discussed last episode uh, with some other things, some other stories. Uh, I don't think they're done telling the you know the Elise story. Uh, and there's there's lots of other things uh, that they can do. Like, you know, you, you mentioned last episode that they've not closed the door on doing the crossover with Sinister. And um, there, I mean, there's lots of things they could do. Right. Because. The further is there, this this ability is not exclusive to the Lamberts. So there, there's right. I mean, virtually, you know, anything they can do with it and lots of things they can do with it. So. But overall, um, it was a fun movie. It was an enjoyable movie. I think it was. I think it was worth the hype, right? I don't have any major complaints. Uh, not a perfect movie, nothing groundbreaking. And um, if I'm going to throw it, we ranked them last week. If I'm going to throw it in there, I'm probably putting it right at three because I still like the Lambert stuff better than the other. So I think I'm liking it better than chapter three and the and the, the, the last key, uh, but not as good as uh, chapter one or chapter two. Where, so where, where would you stick it, Ike, if you were kind of revising your rankings? Yeah, I think that out of the five that we had, I I would have to put it at a three because, you know, you have three was number five, last key was four, and then, you know, two, one. So I'd have to put it right in the middle, like you said, because the other Lambert movies are great and they they exist not only as like nostalgia for me, but they also exist as like these very well-made movies and uh, it's hard to beat them. Even though this movie was absolutely fantastic, out of this world in my opinion, very very good with you know some minor things that could have been better. Um, yeah, it, it'd have to be a three, unfortunately. But I guess three's not bad in this case. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I, like like we said, one and two. I, I really 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 enjoy one and two, and I think they go together as a one two punch so well. And yeah. um, it, it's kind of hard in my mind anymore to separate them. But I definitely like the Lambert stuff better than the other movies, and that's not really a slight to him. I just I'm more invested with the Lambert, the the family and that story and everything else. So I think this one still pulls in ahead of the Elise stuff and the Elise movies. Um, but of the three, uh, of the three Insidious Lambert movies related movies, 
I think it's definitely a third. It's it's a good movie, but I don't think it is. I don't think it's really anywhere near what one or two. One or two is are exceptional to me, and I just don't think. I don't think this is quite to that level. Um, it's it's right. you know it's it's a, it's a good movie and a decent a decent part uh, in this in this franchise, but it's not it's not on the realm of one and two. I, I really enjoy one and two, especially like I said the the back to back, the overlapping, and all the little nods you see. Um, I just don't I just don't think this touches it. No, absolutely, I have to agree. You know, there's a lot of great things about those movies, a lot of great things about this movie, but. There's no way you can dethrone uh, the first two movies. Absolutely not. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious now when it comes out, you know, streaming and, and everything else. I'll be very curious. I, to, I want to really sit down now and watch, you know, one, two and this one all together. Yeah, me too. And, and see what see what that flow is like and how that how, how they feel, uh, you know, doing a, uh, you know, kind of a, a binge of those three, the three Lambert movies together and, and see how that see how they fit, because it's easy to. You know, it, it's difficult. I mean, to uh, to kind of put that when you're not watching them you know, back to back to back. I, I like I like that to see how they feel uh, together. So I, I'll be I'll, I'll be looking forward to that when this is available uh, and really watch those three together. So. All Absolutely. right. Well, let's rank this thing. Ike. Uh, like I said, I enjoyed the movie, um, but I don't I don't think like I said, I don't think it's a good thing. Groundbreaking. I don't think it's an upper echelon, super uh, extraordinary movie. Uh, I you know. As far as insidious movies, it's not – I don't think that it – like I said, that it's breaking any new ground. Um, but it is fun. And I think that uh, in my mind, I'm going to give it a three and a half screams out of five. Yep. Um, when I first watched the movie, I when I came in the theater, I, I gave it a four. But with some time, I have come to terms with that. While this movie was fantastic and I enjoyed it greatly, it's a three and a half out of five. Yeah, I I don't I, I like I said I, I one and two to me are, are four type movies, and mm-hmm. uh, one maybe oh one maybe even I don't know I really like the first one a four but, and a uh, half <laughs> yeah maybe I mean just slightly but it's it's a little stronger four even than two, uh, but it's hard to like I said it's it's hard for me to separate the two anymore because they they just fit so nicely together, um, but uh, so yeah so there you go the consensus three and a half out of five that's a pretty good rating for us. Uh, you know, the, we don't we don't uh, we don't willy nilly give out fours. So uh, to get a three and a half, that, that's a, that's a pretty decent here for for us to give a ranking. So I uh, highly recommend people go and see it. Uh, I know lots of people are did well in the opening weekend. Hopefully it stays strong, uh, puts on a oh, good yeah. run. Uh, you know, it leads us into uh, some of the you know, we got some other big releases coming out this year. You know, another Conjuring movie, another Saw movie, uh, the new Exorcist movie. There's there's lots of of new movies Still to come the theaters this year. I mean, and these are these are the big ones, right? I mean, there's other horror movies as well, but there's still some, you know, what, what you call top shelf type stuff, or that should be top shelf. We'll see uh, coming out. So lots of stuff still to look forward to. Uh, but here we are, just you know, early July, early to mid July, and man, it's there's been some there's been some really really good movies uh, so far this year. And I and I thought I kind of thought about that a little bit the other day for a bit, thinking, man, we're, we're you know we're a little over halfway through the year now. And, uh, it, you know, it's time to start in the back of your mind formulating how are we ranking yeah. as, our, as our favorites for the year, right? Because that'll be here before we know it in the end of the year. And uh, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to sit there. And I'm saying I'm still I'm still sitting pretty firm so far. I haven't overthought it really dove deep, but just off the off a whim, 
I, I'm still holding true that I, I, in my mind, enjoyable for me. I, I still think Evil Dead Rise has been my favorite so far of the year. Yeah, same, 100%. Evil so. Dead Rise was the most anticipated movie I had, you know, going into this year. There are some really good movies coming out the end, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'll withhold total judgment, but at least right now I'm, I'm in total agreement. Number one is yep. Evil Dead Rise. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see when it gets there, but, and I mean, I'm not saying I won't change my mind, or I'm not saying if I. You know, if I sat down and really looked at a list hardcore and thought, oh, you know, there might be some things I forgot about. But uh, but I'm also curious to see what what will be the sleeper pick that'll crack for us. Right. Last year it was it was Deadstream. Right. It was the non the non major major release movie that kind of slipped that slipped into our top five. But we really love. So I'll be curious to see this year, uh, you know, what that is for us. Um, I don't know. I don't know that there's I don't know. I don't know that there's been one so far. Uh, that's uh, I mean, perhaps. uh Skin and Marine, maybe so far. I mean, that's yeah. that's not been a major release, and it's you know we really enjoyed that. I don't know, uh, but there's still some others coming out, you know that uh, that I'll be curious to see that are not like I said, not big theatrical releases to see what slips into that top five uh, for us. So, but there's still lots to see before we get to that point. A lot of year left. So, and like yes. we said, uh, that next step in that year is next episode we will be discussing and reviewing. The movie Quicksand, which is available now on Shudder and AMC Plus. So uh, before we get there and before we spoil and discuss and review that, uh, go out and watch that for yourself so you can follow along with our discussion. So, Ike, before we close this out and put a bow uh, and put Insidious behind us completely for the, so far, uh, anything else you want to throw into the episode? So, absolutely. One of the most absolutely indescribable feelings for me from watching this movie was the end credit scene, the end credits, oh, like yeah. just the credits, that song is by ghost. Um, it's called stay with me. It's a, it's a cover of another song. Actually, it's an already created song, but it, I did not know that Patrick Stewart had the voice of an angel. Um, I, I did not, or not Pat, Patrick, Patrick sorry. Wilson. <laughs> Patrick Wilson. Now, Patrick, now Patrick, Patrick Stewart does too. <laughs> Patrick Stewart has the voice of God. Don't just, don't get that wrong. True. But Patrick Wilson has the voice of an angel. That song is so freaking good. I added it immediately to my playlist. Um, it, it is just in like the song, too. It's, it's 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 talking about like, you know, don't don't basically not leaving like the person that you, you know you love. And, and the movie really is about that. You know, the movie's about, you know, making Dalton not leaving, you know, um, you know, Josh is OK with leaving if it means that Dalton can stay. So it's like this whole like song and like, honestly, it was beautiful. It was a perfect cherry on top, in my opinion. So like I, I sat through the entire end credits, even if there wasn't an end credit scene, I sat through it just to hear that song. Um, I didn't know that he had he had put himself on that track or that that song even existed. But oh, my God, it was so good. I, I think I've listened to it probably a dozen times. I even made a TikTok about it. Yeah, yeah. I was going <laughs> to say everybody could go out and. uh on our social media and see the the uh, the little video that Ike made with uh, his reaction to hearing uh, Patrick Wilson singing that song when he watched it. So, and speaking of social media, we're uh, also now we're on the uh, the new hot item. We're we're on Threads now. So uh, <laughs> to all the other thing, uh, you know, we I feel like we got to whatever keep up with the Joneses. Uh, we are we're on Threads, so easy enough to do because we're already on Instagram and it ports over real easy. You don't really have to do anything. If you've got an Instagram, it just it literally will port your bio over or seek your bio over and real easy. So, yeah, we're there. So anything we post on the others, it's it's going on threads now, too. So 
Uh, you can add that to the list of social media applications that you can follow us on. So, Amen. And that's right. And make sure you do go out and follow us on all the social media uh, platforms that are out there. And whatever your favorite podcast platform is, make sure you subscribe to us there so you do not miss uh, any episodes that we put out. And make sure that you also share those episodes and give us a rating and review because that helps us in those algorithm, algorithms and it helps us in the suggested uh, suggested podcast when people uh, peruse through horror podcasts on these things. So so that puts a bow on this. We're done with Insidious uh, for now. But until next week when we're going to be discussing Quicksand on Shudder and AMC, wherever you go and whatever you do, be good, be safe, and have many pleasant nightmares.